why you should stand out. No matter what your business is or what your indie parent adventure is going to look like, there are ways for you to stand out in the crowd. There are ways for you to put your personality into your work and to find the right people to share your experiences and your talents. Welcome to another episode of the Indie Parent Podcast. My name is Desiree Fawn. I'm a blogger and entrepreneur, and I'm here with my co-host, Amy Belgart of MomSpark. Hello, Amy. Hello. We have new Indie Parent Podcast episodes every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can find us at theindieparent.com on Facebook and Twitter. And we also love to use the hashtag IndieParent on Instagram for sharing lots of cool Indie Parent pictures. So today on the podcast, we're going to talk all about standing out, why you should stand out, what it looks like to stand out, and sort of how we do that in our own businesses um, with some sort of advice as to how you can do it as well. So Amy, what do you feel is the importance of standing out in your workplace, no matter what it is? You know, for you, it's blogging and social media and networking. Um, for other people, it might be something totally different. But what what is the most important thing about standing out for you? Well, I think the reason why you want to stand out and perhaps do things a little bit differently is because that's how you are going to get the work in your field. It's like what Seth Godin says about Lynchpin, which is a great book to read, by the way. It's about being that person that the client always returns to and goes to and brags about. And because word of mouth is such a huge part of any business. Why are you that person? It's because you stand out from the rest. And how is it that you stand out from the rest? We're going to be talking about several different ways that you can. But the reason why you want to stand out is because you want people to see you and notice you. And not in a negative way, not in an obnoxious way, but because, for example, you have really good work ethic. And that sounds so simple, but I have to tell you, being in business as long as I have, that is something that I do not see very often. And that's good work ethic. Even if it's just a meeting or a phone call or something, just jumping on the phone at the time that you schedule and they show up or meeting deadlines, things like that. Are yeah. you that person that could do that? And that's not to say that you're perfect and things always happen uh, swimmingly. It's just saying that are you that person that's reliable and that can actually follow through on your commitments? That alone can make you stand out from the rest. So we're not saying you have to put on a wacky chicken suit and dance around you know, the city center to, to stand out from the crowd. We're saying, how are you a good business person compared to the other people in your field? Can you go beyond what your colleagues can do? That to me, that's the, that's the thing. Like you're standing out because you're wanting to ultimately get work, right? I mean, that's kind of why we are doing this. We want to get paid. We want to get jobs. And I think it really depends on what your business is too. I mean, if you are the only doctor in a tiny town and everyone has to go to you, well, then probably you don't have to be that exceptional because, you know, <laughs> that you, no one has a choice. But if you are a parenting blogger in a sea of billions, you have to do something different. You have to do something that is your own. And this works for a lot of businesses. We're not just talking about blogging here. We're talking about no matter what you're doing, how are you doing it in a way that will make you not only stand out, but make you memorable and give people a reason to keep coming back to you over and over, whether it's something that you offer that other people don't. And often what it comes down to is 
your personality, your likability, your um, connection personally with those people. Because in a lot of our businesses, we're working one-on-one with people um, as opposed to if I owned McDonald's, which I do not. Um, <laughs> you know, you're not, uh, there's not as much one-on-one. You're not dealing directly with your client if you're at the top of a big ladder like that. So it's about leaving that lasting impression on people and, you know, making people smile, making them laugh goes a long way, I think, in just about any business. Even if you are a divorce lawyer, which is pretty serious, I think that you can still have that personal connection with people that Mm -hmm. builds that know, like, and trust, which is why people are going to keep coming back to you, even if the business next door is the exact same and cheaper. You know, you give people a reason to want to be with you. I think a lot of people don't put enough importance on likability and, and, and people don't really think about it because it's just one of those things that come naturally. Like you either like really like somebody or you don't, and you don't really analyze why you do. You just do, you connect with them. And I think the more we can kind of be ourselves within our business, instead of just being all like total business robot, you know, if you could break the ice kind of right off the bat with somebody and make them feel comfortable, they're more likely to want to work with you. Even like Desiree said, you are offering the same exact product that your neighbor is offering. If they like you, they'll keep coming back for you. They, and of course, you know, you're meeting deadlines and, and, you know, feeling your responsibilities and everything. But I think that your personality goes a long way. And that's another reason why I think it's so important to have that in real life relationships with your clients and even your colleagues, because that's the best way that you can show off you and your personality. And you could really connect with people because even over the phone, it can be a little difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a huge one. And I don't think a lot of people think about that. They just think, oh, I've just got to kind of be like a salesman and I have to be a robot and in front of my clients and in front of potential clients and you know, the other people that are in my communities and you don't have to be, you really bringing in your own personality and yourself. And that's not saying that we, you should be rude and crude if that's how you are behind closed doors. Obviously there's a level of professionalism that needs to be kept, but if you bring in like your interests, your, maybe even you're a little bit silly and you bring that in. I, I think that that's okay. Being yourself, being personable and, and putting importance in, in that and relationship building too, like the importance of kind of checking in with a client that maybe you haven't worked with in a few months, just to ask how they're doing. You don't need to say, Hey, have work for me. Say, how are you doing? Yeah. And if you know more about like them personally, you could say, how are your kids or how was college graduation or whatever it is, you know? Clients and people, people in general like to hear that. They like to know that you remember what they said about their kids or maybe um, a vacation that they were taking or something like that. That's all really smart business. The social part of business is immensely important. So don't ever forget that. It's not just a transaction deal done. You have to think of this as like a long relationship and it may not pan out and you may not get work from this client in the future, but I can guarantee you that the more that you engage with them on a more like basic human level or more personal level, you're more likely to work with them more in the future. And they're, they will remember you. You're going to remember them better. I mean, there are, this is a good example of that sort of personal touch. There are 
two really delicious cafes in the downtown where I live that are like a coffee shop with some food and stuff. And there's one directly across the street from our apartment and I can get there in about 14 steps or there's one that's two and a half blocks away, which is the one that I will go to because they remember my name. They remember what I order. They're always asking about Gretchen. It's more Mm -hmm. comfortable there. When I go to the place across the street, it's like, I am no one. (laughs) And I'm like, but I had frequented both of them. Well, frequently. And it, you know, it's just that personal touch. They're both cafes. They're both very similar, but the one is going to keep me coming back because I just feel more welcome there. Right. Um, and I'm sure and a lot of us feel thing. that way. Yeah. When, I mean, think that's a very basic way of looking at it. Like think about the restaurants that you like to go to often, the people who know you when you walk in, like, like you said, they know what you want to order. Why do you go back to those places? It's no different in what business you are running as well. Yeah. Like I would even go to, we had a restaurant that we loved mostly for the wait staff because they were funny and they joked and they, you know, and the food was, it was diner food. I mean, it's pretty basic, but we yeah. kept going back because it was just fun to joke around and be a little smarmy. And Rich and I tend to, that's my partner, Rich. Uh, we tend to cause a bit of a commotion when we're in public because we joke a lot and we both have a pretty silly sense of humor. So we tend to get people laughing around us. And if we go into a restaurant and like no one's biting, we're probably right. not going back. <laughs> like right, right. A little exactly. more, a little more fun. So that's, that's a good one too. The likability is, is huge. So we've covered that. Uh, and next thing that I could think about is obviously the quality of what you're giving. Yep. And we're going to talk about this later because we're going to talk about comparison and how that can be a trap. It's good to pay attention to your surroundings relating to the business that you're in and like other colleagues who are doing the same things or competitors or or what have you. It's good to kind of see what everyone is doing and then maybe think to yourself, how can I a bring my personality and me into my product and then how can I up the quality so it, you're not killing yourself to produce, but how can you up the quality so that that's another way you can stand out? For example, with, with writing and with, with blogging like we do, there's a ton of us. And I've talked about the word oversaturation, and I don't like the word. And I'm just talking about that in our Facebook group today because someone used it. And I said, nope, you can't use that word because I don't <laughs> believe in that. If there's a lot of people doing what you are doing, then find a way to stand out from the crowd. That's the show. So that could be also through the quality of your content. Are you, maybe it's the cre- the creative part of your product that you're doing. What could you offer something a little bit different that no one else is doing? For example, with writing and blogging, maybe I can produce images that are more beautiful than my competitors, or maybe I can do it in a silly way that no one else is doing because they were too scared to do it or whatever it is. But I feel like the more you bring your own personality into it and make it more you, then you're, you're automatically going to stand out because no one is like you. And that's something that it took me a long time to figure out because I was kind of trying to produce a product for what I thought clients wanted for a long time. I think a lot of people get in that trap. They're like, well, this is what they want. So I have to do it instead of still doing that, but then putting my own flavor on it so that it was different than what everyone else was writing about. Especially if there's, you know, 
in the blogging space, a lot of us are sometimes writing about the same brands and clients at the same time. And so do I want to be one of the 50 blog posts about this company that is writing the same exact things, which is basically a reworded copy of the press release they sent us? Or do I want to make it a more fun, lighthearted post or maybe write something that's really personal and important to me, you know, whatever it is, but always remember you and your voice and how that ties into your, your end product, no matter what business that, that you're in. Exactly. There's always a way that you can do it that's different than someone else. And that'll be the reason why they're going to come back to you. Um, mm-hmm. No matter what business you're in. I mean, I'm not, I'm not in any other business. So I can't, you know, speak to what a lawyer or what a insurance salesman or a jewelry designer would do, but there has to be something even little that adds that personal touch that people are going to go, oh, and that's going to stick in their head no matter what. Even when it comes down to writing emails, I mean, I go back to the humor thing, but I think it goes a long way just to show that you're human. You know, we Mm -hmm. get a lot of emails from, you know, if it's a PR person or something like that, or if you got an email from a client and it was very, very formal, you know, like very formal, very corporate. I mean, how can you lighten that up a little so they don't feel like they're talking to a machine? Um, I, we did a post with, um, have you heard of Dollar Shave Club? Yes. Where Rich buys his razors. They asked if we would do a post about it. And uh, when I had sent them the final post, um, she sent back like an an animated little gif of like someone Mm -hmm. with a really excited face being like, this is how we felt about your post. Yeah. Like it just, it was funny. And I'm always going to remember that because that's something a little bit different than like, thank you for meeting the metrics we sent you. Goodbye. Right. You know, like, exactly. Make a little yeah. more fun. And you kind of have to get the feel of that client because sometimes you can yeah. go too far and then it has the opposite effect. And they might be like, this person does not take anything seriously. <laughs> They're just posting gifs all the time of yeah. her dancing, you know, like you kind of have to feel it out. And in the beginning, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of have to, to know if it's a, appropriate to maybe respond a certain way. But uh, the best way to do that is, especially if you make a mistake in your interaction with a client and you like, Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I, who hasn't had enough coffee this morning or whatever it is. It's not too like risky to say, but really shows your human side. I think just about anyone will react positively to that. And they'll, they'll kind of laugh to themselves and it's always good to own up to your mistake. That's part of the work ethic that I am referring to because a lot Absolutely. of people will, kind of say like, oh, well, you didn't tell me to do that. And then they get really defensive because maybe something, maybe there was a a deliverable that wasn't met, but it really is on you, but you're trying to like turn it back on them. That will never go well. And there is the saying, the customer is always right. Not always. Some clients may not be a good fit for you and they may be a negative suck on you and you may need to drop them. But for the most part, it's good to own up to your mistakes. They will appreciate it and more likely come back to you if you make a mistake, but yet make it right and own up that you did it. And if you're, you know, the type that doesn't make a ton of mistakes all the time, they'll know that, you know, you're just being human and they probably are going to make some mistakes along the way during that relationship as well. Exactly. 
And, you know, you're better to make that mistake and own up to it than make that mistake and try to cover it up because then they are immediately not going to trust you. No matter what your business is, if you made a mistake with some paperwork or some uh, someone put an order through your company and you screwed it up completely or sent it to the wrong address or who knows what, you know, like treat it gently and treat it as, you know, sorry, I'm human, you know, like, and, you know, offer something if you're, if you make a mistake like that. I had a company that I had dealt with that has nothing to do with my work, but they had made a huge mistake and treated it as though it was my fault. And, you know, they Mm -hmm. didn't, there was no like, oh, we're really sorry about that. Here's a discount coupon, you know, like something like that, that you would sort of expect. It was just like, well, sucks to be you. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, probably I will never order from right. you again. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. It's a two-way street. You know, I mean, your clients also need to stand out and be special for you to work with them. So it's not just a one-way street. I only want to work with clients who are, we have a, a good gel, you know, we gel good together and we click and it's a mutual um, benefiting relationship. So, I mean, don't you think that our clients also should stand out and be people who we want to work with? <laughs> exactly. You are too good to work with uh, anyone who's going to bring you down. And I think that also goes to, you know, if we're talking about people in the service industry or anything like that, if you are providing a service to someone and you're not charging the rate that you ought to be charging, you will be resentful and you will do crappy work because you're resentful of it. And Mm -hmm. you see that a lot of people are like, well, I'm not getting paid enough for this. Like, well, did you price? Did you set your rate? Did you, I mean, you're right. an indie parent. You get to make your own decisions in that way. You I wouldn't have the power. I wouldn't do a certain thing for X dollars if I knew it took more than that to, mm-hmm. to do. You know, I'm not going to lose money on a job because I felt like they couldn't afford it or I felt like it should be less or, you know, it's not to say don't give discounts where you can, but a lot of that resentment and a lot of that way that you conduct yourself in your business goes down to how you priced yourself. Right. For sure. Because again, if you're not being paid what you deserve because you didn't have the confidence to put forward that number, you will hate it. And that's not what this is all about. Right, exactly. And on the sa- on the opposite side of the coin, don't also think that you are so special that you shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. you may have a minimum fee set in your head, but not every client, every client's going to have a different budget, no matter what line of work you're in. And there may be like a standard rate, but sometimes you may go a little bit lower than that minimum fee that you have set for yourself. And sometimes you may go higher, be okay mm-hmm. with that. And don't just be like, no, absolutely not especially if you feel like, man, this could really turn into something. And sometimes you're taking a risk by doing that. Sometimes you don't really know, or sometimes you get a good vibe and that doesn't really pan out. But let me tell you, you always learn something from that client and that experience. And that client may end up in some other agency or another form of business that they come back to you later. And you know what? They've had a good experience with you and you weren't so into yourself and thought you were just so special that you couldn't accept $50 less, you know, or whatever it is on your work that guess what? They want to offer you twice as much as they did two years ago. And that has happened to me a lot. There are people that have come out of the woodwork that I've known for years, but I hadn't talked to in years that had brought me 
an amazing opportunity. An example of that, I recently got a opportunity to take my younger son to Costa Rica. This was a client that I haven't talked to in two years. And I hadn't even done anything with before because it didn't pan out the first time. And, uh, and here they are, they came with me and I, I checked in with them once in a while. You know, I think I checked in like the, a few months following when we originally talked and it didn't, it didn't work out. And I didn't want to be too pushy. Of course, I don't want to keep checking into the point of being obnoxious. And, but I hadn't talked to her, her in a while. Cause I thought, well, maybe this isn't going to work and I don't want to bugger. And then here she comes two years later and gives me this cool opportunity to travel to Costa Rica with my youngest son. So that's just one of very many situations like that, that I've experienced you okay. do leave an impression on people, even with the smallest of, of jobs. So just always remember that a lot of times these people come back around in your life. And no matter what that business is, no matter if you own a retail store or if you work online or if you, you know, you're an indie parent, but you, you know, have a lot of employees, you, you never want to, to judge an opportunity that comes your way by, you know, the sort of person or business or the way that it comes to you. I mean, you have to take everything sort of individually. And, you know, again, this goes back to the the real personal aspect about it. And I'll give you an example here. A, uh, a friend who owned a clothing store at the same time that I did, um, she was talking about someone had come into her store and she honestly thought that this person was a shoplifter. <laughs> they were they were acting very strangely. They were acting very cautious. They had a big bag. They fit all the signs. Um, and the person ended up spending over $1,000. So, wow. you know, there's situations where you might read people wrong. You might, you know, you might not get their personality, but you shouldn't write them off before you get to know them. And I mean, this could go for anything in life, but it's important right. in business because you're going to make decisions based on your first impression and people are going to make decisions based on their first impression of you. So do your best to make it a good one, a memorable one and not in a negative way. Right. And another thing maybe to think about is part of how you can stand out is by knowing what you're doing and really believing in what you're doing as well. So that when you do meet that client for the first time, you don't sound clueless, mm -hmm. you know, really know your stuff going in. Know when they ask you, okay, what is it? What are the services that you provide? You, you have your go-to sentence or two or three that you always go to and you really believe in that. And you, like I said, you just know your stuff. That is very important because you'd be surprised when people are in the same industry that can't really have those conversations without sort of stumbling over the words, or maybe they're still figuring out what it is that they're doing. Know your stuff, be confident mm -hmm. in, in what you're selling or offering, whatever it is. We also wanted to talk a little bit about comparison and no matter what your indie parent business looks like, there's going to be other people doing the same thing that you're doing. And you're going to be tempted to follow them on social media. And if it's a store, you're going to want to visit their store and see what they're doing. You're going to be doing a little bit of spy work because A, that's part of your own market research and you should be doing it. And B, we're curious, nosy humans and we just want to see what everyone's up to. But if you are 
just getting started and you're comparing yourself to a business that's been established for 30 years, you are going to be so frustrated with the fact that you're not where they are when honestly, how could you be? There's no, you can't start at the top. Everyone has to start at their own beginning. And you know what? You can take the opportunity to look at other people's businesses and go, I can see where they made a mistake and where they fixed it. And I won't go down that route. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to saying, oh, look how successful they are. I give up because that is just, it's so detrimental. No matter what your business is, you're going to see people who are doing it way better than you. And instead of copying what they're doing to be as good as them, which is not the right way to go, you need to find your own way to find their success. Yeah, I think that you can get so wrapped up in what your competitors are doing that, like you said, you can just, you totally just want to give up because you think I'll never get to that level. Or you start doing the same things that they're doing. And that's not what we're suggesting. We're not suggesting that you duplicate what you see, we say, how can you put your own spin on what they are doing that maybe is working for them? Mm -hmm. And another thing to remember is they are not you. And so you have a different personality. You're going to have a different product because of that. So you can't, you cannot copy exactly what someone else is doing and make it work. It will never work. If I were to tell you all the steps that I took to work from home full time, and make a full-time income, it would never work for you because you are you and you have a different set of skills and you have a different personality and different strengths and weaknesses. So, but it's smart to know what your market is doing and maybe some tools that they're using like social media or whatever it is. It's good to pay attention to those things, but don't get so wrapped up and consumed in it that you can't create your own new ideas yourself. Let it serve as inspiration and good knowledge and something to keep in the back of your head, but not let it stunt your progress. And and sometimes it's hard to do that. And and there is a balance there that you kind of have to keep. Just kind of be mindful of what everyone's doing. Be inspired by it not discouraged, Mm -hmm. and then think, cool, well, what can I do that could be a little different, but maybe can offer the the same thing or whatever it is. Like I said, no duplication, just use it as inspiration. Exactly. You can't copy exactly what someone is doing, but you can copy their work ethic and you Mm -hmm. can copy their enthusiasm and you can copy their organizational skills, you know, like, and I think even when it's friends who also happen to work together, I mean, I, when I see Amy really on the ball with something, I'm like, how did you get so organized there? Okay. I got to try that method of organizing this. Or Amy will say, you know, like, well, how did you use that sort of thing? I'm like, oh, here, this is what I used. And this is why it worked. Not I'm going to do that exact bacon wrapped hot dog video that Amy just did (laughs) because that's silly. Although you'd be surprised how many people will do that thinking, (laughs) oh, so if I do the same exact thing and then you just look like a fool, there was no creative process there whatsoever. You literally just duplicated it and you just won't, it won't work. You, You could try, but it just won't work that way. Okay. Homework for this week. This is pretty easy. We want you to think about your business and then we want you to think about your competitors who are in the same line of work. Do you feel like you are doing things differently or do you feel like you're getting lost? Think about 
how you can do something different. And this may not come to you right away, but if you're mindful of it and you really pay attention to what you are doing and maybe how things are changing in your industry, you will start coming up with some ideas along the way. Maybe you think about it when you're at the grocery store or you're in the shower. Isn't that always where our best ideas come from? But be mindful of it and just think about it. Are you doing something that's engaging to your customers or your clients? And if you're not, what can you do? Well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast tonight. You can join us every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern for a new D&D Parent podcast show. And we would love to hear from you. Visit theindieparent.com. You can get to all of our past episodes there as well as subscribe via iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. And there's also a nifty little link there for our Facebook group where we have a whole community of other parents just like you who are indie parents. And we discuss business ideas. Sometimes we just are there to inspire each other, lift each other up. It's a great community. We would love to hear from you. So please join us. And then the last thing, use the hashtag IndieParent when you are posting on Instagram and Twitter because we would love to see it and we like to retweet all of those kinds of things. So we will see you next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. See you next time.